Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, this is the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and we are proud to announce a partnership collaboration with a brand new podcast app. If you're looking for a new way to listen to podcasts that's a lot more interactive and fun, well, look no further than the cooler podcast player on the Apple Store. The app that makes sure you never miss the hottest sports talk by the cooler with like-minded fans and listeners of the same community. So download the Cooler Podcast Player on the Apple Store, search for your favorite podcast, specifically look up the Lakers Legacy Podcast, we are up there right now, subscribe to our Cooler page, click on one of our episodes, listen away, and then join the conversation by commenting away down below on each episode. Add some emojis, like the cringe emoji, because I know that I can be quite cringe. Ask us questions about specific points we made throughout a specific episode. The Cooler Podcast Player is essentially like Reddit, but curated and consolidated per podcast community so that you can join the conversation in a safer, more intimate, and less trolly space than other apps like X. And you can do so with other like-minded Lakers Legacy Podcast listeners. Also, you're likely to find one of us commenting and replying back to you guys directly within each episode feed in the comments section. So grab a drink, make your way over to the cooler, and join the conversation now by downloading the Cooler Podcast Player app. Make sure to add the Lakers legacy to your queue, and let's keep the debates and discussions going beyond the final sign-offs you hear from us at the end of each episode. The Cooler Podcast Player. Listen, then speak your mind. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where to D or not to D, that is the question. And by D, I'm talking about DeJounte Murray. Welcome to DeJounte D'Angelo Watch 2024. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by a special guest who's been here before, been on the show before. You guys may know him for his work as part of the Late Night Lake Show Collective, or on Twitter as at OSID24. Today we have on Omar Siddiqui. Omar, welcome back to the show, brother. How is the frigid air in Boston treating you these days? Is it cold? I'm assuming it's cold. Oh, you are mute. You are muted, Omar. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I already made a mistake. <laughs> uh, last week was frigid. It was in the teens. Uh, this week is considered warmer. We're in the thirties. So, uh, things are looking up <laughs> at least for now. Um, and I'm hoping, um, you know, the same can be applied to the Lakers. 
That is for sure. Well, it is good to have you back on the show. Today, you are actually joining a very guest-centric episode because for this first part, Omar is obviously joining me to talk about the current state of the Lakers, DeJounte Watch 2024, what our thoughts are on the loud, swirling trade rumors going about. But then for part two, I will actually be joined by another guest who is one of our loyal Patreon supporters. He'll be part of a potentially new segment I'm trying out on the show, Omar, where in the future, I'm hoping to bring on some of our Patreon subscribers to sort of just shoot the Lakers shit with me a little bit. So yeah, stay tuned for part two, where one of our Patreon subscribers, Daniel Liegman, and I go further into DeJounte Murray, as well as our thoughts on the season. But for now, I have Omar with me. He is helping me intro this episode. And Omar, the main question I want to ask you, this is like a vibe check on your thoughts on the current state of the team, but mainly I want to ask you, before we get into any DeJounte Murray talk, are you, with regards to this trade deadline, because that's all anybody can talk about these days, just trades this, trades that, like, at the time of this recording, we haven't played the Los Angeles Clippers yet, we will likely lose, hopefully we don't, but any, I don't think anybody cares about the game right now, LeBron's out. Nobody cares about the game. All we care about is, is this DeJounte Murray trade happening? If not DeJounte, what about Bruce Brown? But with that said, where are you at on your trade-o-meter? Are you on team make a big splash with the 2029 pick this trade deadline? Or are you on team margin moves and wait because I because you think that the ales of this season have come from not necessarily the players of the roster but uh I'll just say it out loud but ham <laughs> so where are you at on, <laughs> on those two things yeah I mean it's unfortunate but I think my answer is kind of um leaning towards a big splash just because of how the front office has just been operated uh, you know in the in years past they have, and we talked about this, I think, last year's uh, episode, but they go after the big, you know, flashy, shiny type of names. And they don't really, and although they did make some, you know, kind of nice filler moves last year by grabbing Mo Bamba and um, a few other moves uh, as tertiary moves. But I feel like, you know, there's been so much smoke, like more so around one or two players kind of reminding of me of the AD situation where mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of Murray or bust. And I want to take it back, you know, back to the off season where this, the contract that was offered to D'Lo and the way the contract was uh, situated, it was already kind of a foregone con- a conclusion where D'Lo at some point is going to be moved. You know, they didn't make it a, a uh, situation where D- we're going to commit D'Lo, you know, to our future, um, so that's always been, you know, on my mind. And I feel like when I see DeJounte Murray and, and his contract, which is, you know, friendlier when you compare it to other contracts that have been signed by yeah. a lot of other players, um, that's a move that, you know, kind of has resonated with me. I know the fit's not perfect, but, you know, you talk about a athletic type of player, uh, a guard uh, who plays a bunch of games um, and as a, at a very reasonable contract. But we have we we've never made the you know the the commitment or statement that D'Lo is going to be our guard. So I don't want the front office to make yet another mistake where they don't manage their assets well. You know, so that's all that's my, been my mindset yeah. and my perspective. Where you know, 
you know, I, I hate to get rid of that pick because it's very valuable. I think, you know, among the teams or the suitors that are going after Mario or, or I guess the other players that are currently um, being priced at the, at the trade deadline right now, the 2029 pick has got to be the most valuable asset, I think, uh, aside from, you know, obviously players and whatnot. But um, that's where I'm at. And, you know, you kind of alluded it to it earlier as well. But having a an asset that's going to be controlled for a few years, I don't think Ham will last his full contract. And that's just a <laughs> prediction and, and, and a thought that I have in the back of my mind where, you know, I think Murray's an exciting player. I think, you know, fans will really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, and that's a very fair perspective because, and I'll get into my thoughts on DeJounte Murray in a bit, and I'll have more thoughts in part two of our segment. But to your point, I understand the practicality of the move with regards to we're not sure what D'Lo is going to do with that player option, whether he's going to take it or not. And it does not help, again, that in December... Darvin Ham decided to bench this dude and then not only bench him, but play him 17 minutes a game. That's not gonna, you know, at that point, Delo's probably like, yeah, I may not get eight, 18 million on the market this year, but I'd rather a long-term deal that's around like the mid-level. You know, I'd rather take that versus going back to a team that has Darvin Ham as the coach, right? So those are some factors that the Lakers have to take into account. And so I think from the practical standpoint of things, making a move makes sense. And making a move for a guy like DeJounte Murray, who's very exciting, very dynamic. He's had like multiple back-to-back game winners recently and has been going nuts. It it makes sense. But if you would humor me a little bit. Absolutely. I would like to take the stance of team margin moves and wait. And here's why. This is a larger sort of ideology of mine. Okay. At the beginning of this season, And what we were clamoring for when you were on the podcast last year before, I believe it was before the Russell Westbrook trade, right? Right, it was. This entire LeBron James, Anthony Davis era, what is the one thing that we've been clamoring for as fans? It's mainly been continuity, cohesion, building a culture, right? Right. That doesn't mean ignoring upgrades at at certain areas, obviously. But to me... I still think, and maybe this is very naive of me, I still think that the best antidote for this team, unless you can get a surefire star this trade deadline, and some may say that DeJounte Murray fits that bill, which is fine, that's fair. But to me, unless you can get a surefire star this trade deadline, to me, riding the wave and going to war with this group that got you to the Western Conference Finals, and even this year won the IST Championship, I think there are some intangible benefits to that. And while I know Darvin Ham is our coach and that scares the living hell out of me, the whole theme of this offseason heading into this season was building continuity and building cohesion. I, for once, would just like the front office to commit to what they say and see what happens. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean just sit on your hands because, as I mentioned, I'm team margin moves and weight. That doesn't mean we don't make big splashes on the edges to fortify our needs and help Darvin Ham out in the areas that he's lacking in as a coach. But I think for me, it's just like there are lessons that we've learned along this way, even though it's been a bumpy ride, that I think resonate with this team and the players on this team. Even as it pertains to the IST championship, when we were able to withstand some of those early injuries where key guys were out, like we were able to actually win that thing, you know? Right. And I think this team can channel something that they had last year as well when they had to 
pick things up from the fly, find cohesion on the fly, and make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. I think the biggest thing that's harming this team the most right now at current is just the trade deadline and that looming over guys' heads, right? Oh, for sure. I think yeah. once that passes, I think this team, and again, this sounds very like naive of me, I think, and maybe like too utopian, but I do think there's an intangible galvanizing aspect that this team will be able to hit once the trade deadline passes, once they know that the key core guys are still here, once they've upgraded on the edges, I think they'll be able to channel and tap into something that they look to the sides, they still see their brothers with them, and they're like, hey, we did this last year, we did this in the IC championships, let's do it again. We know for sure that nobody, that this is the group moving forward, yeah. you know? At least for one year, I would like to see the front office stick to the word with, with continuity, and I think it's just hilarious that it's like, they 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 preached continuity and cohesion. The coach did not adhere to those rules, even when the full team was healthy. And then less than half a year into it, we're going to flip the team again. You know, so to me, yeah. it's just like, I may be wrong about this, but I just want to see it happen. You know, I just want to see us try a little bit of continuity. And as we've been seeing, like D'Angelo Russell, the last couple of games, like, so the D'Angelo Russell that we've got the last couple of games, the D'Lo who's been aggressive, attacking the basket, diversifying his offensive skill set, hitting mid-range shots, bombing threes from every direction while getting AD, LeBron, AR, Prince, and the rest of the team involved, pulling up in transition for these momentum-shifting plays. The D'Lo we've got recently is the exact type of dynamic, skilled, savvy guard who spaces the floor that a LeBron James and Anthony Davis team needs, right? We've yeah. just needed that consistent player throughout. I would argue again that it's hard to be that consistent player when your coach is Darvin Ham, but we we've seen what the, who this team can be when Delo is more aggressive. And in January Delo has been a 22.6 assist on 52% from the field and 47% from three player. And then apart from D'Angelo Russell as it pertains to the whole team, We've seen Vanderbilt getting healthier. He looks as healthy and as athletic and physical as he's ever been, right? Rui's starting to rumble again. Uh, Christian Wood is back in the rotation and doing some very valuable things, surprisingly defensively. He's been and good. so for me, if there was ever a group to withstand the bumps and bruises of a season and regroup and rebound, I think it's this group, like the run it back continuity group. And again, yeah. I think they'll be able to channel that cohesion and continuity and channel some of the lessons they've learned from their run last year and even the trials they've gone through this year to make a big second half run, provided that there are margin upgrades made at the deadline. And in another episode, we will get into specific names that we can uh, do that we can talk about in, to improve this team. Um, and yeah, my biggest thing too is like once the trade deadline passes, I think that dark cloud will lift over everybody's heads and we'll be able to have more aligned vision. So again, I may be naive. I'm not saying I don't want a DeJounte Murray deal because I do I have really liked some of the aspects that I've seen recently from his game. But for me, the team, Rob Palenka, you committed to continuity. Actually stand by, by your word for once, at least for one season, and then go from there because the worst case scenario, and I understand you're dealing with a LeBron James win now dynamic, but the worst case scenario is you've kept your 2029 pick and now in the summer, you have three picks to use for an actual superstar. And if DeJounte Murray is still there, you can still get DeJounte Murray if you want, you know? So any thoughts on what I just posed? Yeah, th those are all really good points. I think one thing that really got me thinking is um, that mentality where 
the trade trade deadline stuff is definitely weighing heavy uh, on a lot of our guys. I think one thing that um, hasn't really been talked about is LeBron's play has been really up and down. Like, and he's our leader. And as amazing as AD has been, and I've been one to be critical of him. He's been phenomenal, like on both ends, like offensively, yes. defensively. He's bringing it every night. LeBron is the one who's been super up and down, especially now where I feel like it's really, really hurt the team. Um, and when he doesn't bring his A game, and it's not even just offensively, even though our, our offense has been in the gutter. Uh, it's mainly it's, defensively, it's you're mainly right. It's mainly defense. Like, he's supposed to be our secondary backline guy. And Ham doesn't play lineups with Vando in it with, with our starters. So there isn't that other guy who can help us out in our backline. So I feel like we've just been hemorrhaging points like whether it's in the paint or off kickouts like for easy easy corner threes which has hurt us and you know we're always you know this team has like kind of at least in january right like if we give up a big lead uh or if we're down a deficit we come out in the second half super flat or we start the game super flat and that's like you know it's just not our night and we're not gonna really press the gas whereas you remember like in the beginning of the year, like they would press the gas in the second half, even though we kept on consistently losing the first quarter, second quarters, they would press the gas and play like super hard with effort and, and focus and all that stuff. And remember like all, all the takes that were coming out with like Cam Reddish and all that stuff. Like, like we were an exciting team that like, I don't know if, if um, this is a true stat, but like, I think D'Lo and Cam were like in the top 10 in terms of deflections mm. and stuff like that, which is kind yeah, of crazy. They were it just, through the it, first it just, half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And it just spoke to like their effort and that's clearly not there anymore. And, you know, it, you can kind of point to, is it a ham thing? Is it uh, the trade deadline thing? But I feel like LeBron's our leader. LeBron has to kind of be that guy to galvanize and, and step up. And I do agree. Like once this trade deadline passes and, and if we do make moves, or if we don't make moves, I think, our guys are definitely going to step up and, and just buy in and just kind of like go at, go at it like game by game and like let's try to give our best effort to win and, and try to make some noise. I'm just worried now because, you know, um, alternatively from last season, like this West is so deep. Like, like there are a lot of good teams. Like last year, there wasn't this much uh, competition um, in terms of the West. So, so that's definitely a, a concern. But a lot of the other points you raised, like I agree with. Um, I, I hope we can definitely make make, make some sort of uh, decision on on where we want to go in, in terms of the team. Yeah, and your and to your point, you know, maybe the thing that gets LeBron James out of this little funk is a trade and <laughs> getting a clutch yeah. client in Dejounte Murray, right? So that's one option that kind of lends to your line of thinking. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, the Lakers have to hit their stride now. It doesn't help that again, LeBron James is out tonight against the Clippers, yeah. but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but with regards to Dejounte Murray, like my sentiments on this guy change day by day. One day I, I question whether it's worth swapping the skills D'Lo brings to the table for Dejounte, because on top of that, you're also adding more assets. Other days I watch his recent gameplay and all of those game winners where he's pulling up from three and I'm like, okay, let's do this and never look back. But again, I think with, with a player like DeJounte, you have to take into account mid-season adjustment and him having to get acclimated with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the team, most importantly, Darvin Ham. Um, I'm a bit lukewarm on his fit with AD and LeBron. In the worst case scenario, he's like a richer man's Russell Westbrook to me, potentially, though 
I can already see the appeal to him. I just find it funny that we're potentially going from trading a downhill attacking athletic guard for a skill guard back to an athletic downhill attacking yeah. guard in DeJounte. Um, I guess my biggest worry is what happens when he has to adjust to giving the ball up to not only LeBron James, but Austin Reeves. Um, so far in Atlanta, he's been the second guy. I don't know if he's, I mean, obviously in, in this scenario, he's going to be the third guy. He'll be the second ball handler. How is he going to adjust to not necessarily having the reps and rhythm that he had before? You know what I mean? I yeah. am very encouraged by his three-point spike, though. He has upped his volume. He's like hitting 2.43s a game on like almost seven seven attempts. He's shooting 38% from three. The most encouraging stat to me on DeJounte Murray is he's shooting 39% from three on pull-ups. Yeah, but he's also true. shooting 38% on three from catch and shoots on catch and shoots, which is very important on the LeBron James team because yeah. you're not going to have the ball in your hand that much. And you're not going to be able to swaggy pea shake and bake into that three point shot as much as you had previously. So I really like that. I just know that there's going to be an acclimation period. And, you know, maybe this year is shot anyways, and this is more about the long-term, long right? Term, like yeah. you you get DeJounte acclimated now. He's on a four-year deal that his extension actually kicks in this summer. And so from that point of, point of view, I can definitely see it happening. I'm just a little bit more dubious on whether the Atlanta Hawks will actually do this deal. And I feel like the Lakers are being used as a smokescreen because from what I've heard even if the Lakers include the 2029 first, there are other teams out there who can beat that package. And I know there's been a lot of smoke on pretty much making this deal a done deal between the two teams. I'm just kind of pumping the brakes a little, hoping that, I mean, pumping the brakes a little because as we've seen in the past, this may be an AD scenario or this may be one of those Rob Palenka things where that's not actually deal. That's not actually yeah. the deal that comes to light, you know? And one thing I'll, I'll, I'll end with, with regards to this topic, as we close this first part out is I just, I just posed this on Twitter. It's, it's gaining a lot of traction, but I, I put an interesting what if scenario for an alt package between the Lakers and the Hawks. And I understand why it hasn't been pitched for a variety of reasons, but so far, it's always been about D'Lo and DeJounte, right? Yeah. But I started thinking about what if you swap D'Lo and put in Rui Hachimura in his place instead because they make the same amount of money. Rui Hachimura has not been used correctly this year anyways. <laughs> you know, yeah. Darvin Ham has struggled to find minutes for him. We have a lot of forwards, actually. If, if Rui's gone, that hasn't been a problem for Ham. You know, Darvin, Darvin Ham will use Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, and, Rui, uh, and Christian Wood. The Lakers have been searching for another ball handler, right? They've been searching for that guy off the bench. Well, what if you just trade Rui for DeJounte Murray, add whatever picks you need to, and all of a sudden you have a backcourt of DeJounte Murray and Austin Reeves or DeJounte Murray and D'Lo, and Austin Reeves is playing that role, that connective role off the bench as the sixth man, and we have reached peak fever dream for Darvin Ham of being able to play a three-guard lineup. But in this, <laughs> in, in this scenario, hey, check this out. It's not Dennis Schroeder. It's DeJounte Murray in that spot. Yeah. You know? So for me, it's like, I, I know why that hasn't been pitched because, because one, Rui Hachimura is not an expiring contract. Um, who knows if the Atlanta Hawks even want Rui Hachimura? Who, is, does, does DeJounte Murray even want to be on a team with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves? You know what I mean? Will D'Angelo Russell pick up his player option if he's like, wait, I'm sharing the backcourt with DeJounte and Austin Reeves? There's a lot of reasons why this angle hasn't been pitched, but I do find it interesting just because that would make us a very dynamic 
that would make our guard crop even more dynamic. Like pretty much the skill set that we've been looking for in terms of like, oh, let's get Colin Sexton and uh, Bruce Brown or whatever. It's like, what about DeJounte Murray, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves? Your quick thoughts on that, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, one one uh, question I had, because I did see that post. What would happen with uh, Gabe Vincent? Is that is he included too? <laughs> yeah, Gabe Vincent would be here, but I guess in this scenario, you would then use Gabe Vincent in a margin move for whatever okay. else you do. For whatever you know? else. Okay. No, dude, I, I actually love that because um, obviously it would take a lot for Atlanta to to buy into that because it looks like they want to clear the books and stuff like that. But if for some reason they, they get drunk and they they just <laughs> drug dial and accept it. Or, or we find like a third team, right? Third teams oh, usually help sure. assuage yeah, these things. It could yeah. work too. Yeah, like if they uh, rerouted um, Roy to New York Knicks or... Uh, well, so Charlotte, they have some expirings as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so I think that would be awesome because in terms of like our guard play, we kind of check all the boxes, right? We have our, you know, finesse, skill set, playmaking, D'Lo guard. One point I, I forgot to mention, and, and I think you alluded to earlier, D'Lo has been probably our best guard in getting the ball to AD. And that's yep. something that I do not see um, accounted for any in any trades. Um and obviously, I don't also see like LeBron taking full on like permanent point guard duties as well. But uh, that's something that I feel like has to be part of the calculus. So that's number one. So we would definitely have that uh, within our, our bucket. And then now you have DeJounte Murray, who is that super quick athletic uh, guard. I was watching him last night because obviously, you know, he's there's so much smokescreen on the, all this stuff. But like <laughs> against the Kings, you know, the Kings aren't like the best defense. But like I just like to see that burst from a guard to just get yep. to the rim whenever he wanted, which was nice to see. And think and think about it this way too. Like Trey Young wasn't playing. So like he's getting like number one attention like on defense. And he was sure. kind of like getting whatever shot he wanted, which was nice because like on a team on on the Lakers where it's LeBron, AD, and all these other players. Like I understand like the the – question that you had with like the fit and not having the ball as much but like i feel like he's not going to get as much defensive attention which i think a lot of people will make in terms of like pros uh so you'll have that and then austin reeves finally get, gets to play that connective glue um position i think what and that kind of mimics what we had last year right like we had yep. three guards we had dennis Schroeder, um who was that quick burst athletic guard who could uh draw a lot of fouls and get to the basket whenever he, whenever he wanted um, we had D'Lo and, and Reeves. I think what worked for us and what we made us go on that uh, great run is we just needed two of those guards to just produce like baseline, like average stuff. Uh, right now, we've relied heavily on two of them right now, Reeves and D'Lo. And it just, the fit's not there because, you know, you're, you're it's they're both bringing a lot of the same stuff and it's hard for, you know, either one to hang with like these athletic guards on opposing teams um now you kind of have that mix mash of whatever works and you know i wouldn't be mad at ham picking two of those guys or even three of those guys to play on the floor with ron and ad um so if that would work i, I would be so on board um and then you know what if if you know we can't figure anything out for deal on the offseason it wouldn't be that bad for him to walk walk away but that's that's true because the lakers want to save money <laughs> yeah they want to save money so um but if we can figure out a signing trade, that'd be awesome too. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think the options are endless there. Uh, and, it, and you would raise the ceiling of the team a boatload with that move.
Yeah, kind of a pipe dream, but it's very intriguing and interesting to think about because all these players make the same amount of money. It's just about the assets that you tack on top of them, right? So yeah, with that said, Omar, thank you for joining me for this first part of the show. We will have Omar on again to talk more in-depthly about trade targets. But for now, we're going to take it to break. And then when we return, I'm going to debut our Lakers Legacy Patreon guest spot. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk more to Jante Murray and more about the state of the Lakers. So Omar, I will catch you later. Peace. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, folks, we are back. And today we're trying something new out for the very first time. And we're going to be bringing in some of our loyal listeners to the Lakers Legacy podcast on for some guest segments on this show, specifically those who have supported us through Patreon so diligently over the last few years. And again, you can do that at patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy podcast. If you have been a loyal longtime Patreon subscriber to the Lakers Legacy podcast and you're wondering why you haven't gotten an invite yet, bear with me. I've been very busy recently getting engaged, moving, wondering whether I can even keep this show going. So bear with me as I trial this process out and see whether I even realistically have the bandwidth to uphold it. But given all of that, I will try my best to reach out to the lot of you who have diligently supported us throughout the years to schedule some time on the pod at some point, even if it takes the next five years. So with that said, today, serving as our patient zero for these Lakers legacy listener guest spots, we are excited to bring on one of our loyalist Lakers legacy podcast Patreon subscribers, Mr. Daniel Liegman. Daniel, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name before we got on here, but you know what? I hope I did it right. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you doing and how do you feel about being patient zero for these Lakers legacy Patreon guest spots? I feel good. I hope that I'll be a good guest and really bring something new to the table here. Excited to be on. I've been a listener to this podcast for some time now. The first time I heard of you guys was from Pete Zayas, Laker Filmroom. I think that you did a collab one time Mm -hmm. with, with you guys or multiple times. And I think that one of those collabs, I ended up listening to one of you guys. One of the things I really thought you guys brought to the table was uh, high energy and just a general optimistic and enthusiastic fan perspective, whereas someone like uh, Pete Zayas or someone like Kranzich, who I also listen to, tend to be uh, more analytical in their thinking, whereas I feel like you come at it from a different angle of being really fan-centric, and I've really appreciated the content you've been putting out. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm glad that we're able to bring something new to the table. And especially in this very crowded Lakers sphere, I know everybody brings something to the table. And so I'm glad you were able to resonate with our enthusiasm, excitement in general. 
jovial nature on this podcast, even though there have been times where we have ranted and just been kind of mad. But even in those times, we still try and be fun about it, you know. So, Daniel, thank you so much for listening to us over the years. And we're glad that, you know, you were able to find us through Pete Zayas, who is great. Laker Film Room, obviously. Um, did I say your last name right, by the way? Is it Liegman or? You said the last name. Bow down. Congratulations. Okay, great. That's all I'm focused on right now. Okay, with that said, why don't we get on with this this segment and this show? Daniel, instead of me moderating and leading the show like I typically do, I want to open the floor up to you first and see if you had anything particular you wanted to ask me about or talk about. At the time of this recording, the Lakers are 22 and 22. We just beat the Portland Trailblazers last night. Blew them out off the backs of another tremendous D'Angelo Russell performance. He had like 34 points, 8 assists, 6 of 11 from 3. That is the stage that we're setting right now. We are currently on trade D'Angelo Russell, DeJounte Murray Watch 2024. So if you want to start there, we can. Otherwise, if there's anything else you've been dying to give your take on, please let me know. Yeah, I think that DeJounte Murray is just a natural place to start. I think that it's interesting. It's not funny the way that we set this up uh, because against the Blazers, D'Angelo Russell was probably our best offensive player. And yet we are seeking to trade uh, D'Angelo Russell. DeJounte Murray is a very good offensive player in his own right, but I don't think he fits as well with LeBron James and Anthony Davis needing touches as well, just because he's not as good as an off-ball shooter which is really important for this team, especially given the fact that no one else on this team is really highly prolific as a shooter, and the team in general just struggles to shoot. So uh, I, I don't necessarily think that that's the move like on paper. At the same time, however, I feel like we do need some kind of move in order to give this team a jolt mm-hmm. and... So I'm wondering your thoughts on how you feel about that. Yeah, I think I'm with you with regards to if we just put everything in a vacuum, D'Angelo Russell and how he's been playing in the last five or six games since he returned from injury and how he's been playing since Darvin Ham has given him the requisite minutes he deserves to actually get a rhythm. That is the type of player, this 25.6 assist shooting something ridiculous. We don't even need this player to shoot, you know, 55% from the floor, which D'Angelo Russell has been doing. But this 25.6 assist player who can space the floor, who's dynamic shooting the ball, dynamic in the mid-range, the player that D'Angelo Russell has been in the last six games is essentially the player that the Lakers need. And so it does feel a little bit weird that we might be ready to ship that player off for a player who stylistically and skill set wise i think on paper statistically you'll say oh that's dejounte murray because he he averages 22 points and five assists six assists right but i think stylistically he's very different from d'angelo russell now he is shooting a career high i think 38 percent from three this season at a pretty high volume but we've seen before what happens when we rely on statistics like that from outlier years like I believe when we traded for Dennis Schroeder, he was coming off a career high 39% from three with OKC Thunder off the bench, right? And we all saw what happened with that. And we realized once Dennis Schroeder came to the Lakers, you kind of, after watching him day in, day out, you're like, oh, that shot release is pretty slow. 
Defenses are not really trusting it. Can we say the same about DeJounte Murray? He's probably still a better shooter than Dennis Schroeder overall, but the same sort of concerns exist. And really, when you boil it down, D'Angelo Russell is just the better shooter, right? He's currently leading the Lakers in three-point shooting at 41% from three, also averaging, also making the most threes on the team, 2.33s or 2.43s made a game. So for the Lakers to be shipping off their best three-point shooter, their best non-LeBron James playmaker, a guy who seems to uphold the locker room chemistry pretty well and who guys generally like, especially Austin Reeves, the built-in chemistry is there. It does seem a little bit peculiar, and I do wonder about how this will change the atmosphere of the team moving forward for the rest of this season. But my biggest concern with DeJounte Murray is probably his fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis because he is a player that needs the ball in his hands. He's a player, again, who doesn't space the floor as well as D'Angelo Russell. And we know right now, Daniel, that D'Angelo Russell at his best is an easy fit with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that you didn't quite touch on that I feel like is kind of implied is that the Lakers acquisitions tend to lose a solid five to six percent <laughs> off of their normal shooting percentage whenever they come here. Uh, I don't know why that is. It's some type of curse, but uh, there are very few players that have survived the Lakers shooting curse and have successfully shot what they usually shoot elsewhere. So that's another factor that we need to take into account when we discuss with John T. Murray. I think that with regards to uh, D'Angelo Russell's fit, I think that the problem is essentially the Denver series. Mm-hmm. Like, because he was fine for most of that playoff run. And then he just completely cratered in Denver, unfortunately, which led to us being swept. And so the reality is that D'Angelo Russell on this roster is kind of like a swing player that sort of defines whether or not the Lakers play well on any given any given night. You know, because if D'Angelo's got it on, then we got it on. But if D'Angelo doesn't have it on, then we don't have it on. And so um, there's this real sense of anxiety around his playoff performance. And I don't have the exact numbers around DeJounte Murray's playoff performance, but perhaps we could talk a little bit more more about that if you happen to know anything about the Atlanta Hawks that I don't follow them specifically too well in terms of DeJounte Murray's playoff performance. Yeah, so he's only been to the playoffs three times. His first year, he wasn't even really a starting level player. He was only averaging 15 minutes and averaged 5.7 points, 2.5 assists. Uh, The next year, he made it to the playoffs as well at age 21. He still wasn't a starting level player, averaged 7.8 points. Uh, He did make the playoffs with the Hawks last year. They played five games where he averaged 23 points, 6.8 assists, 7.2 rebounds, two steals on 44.7% from the field and 37.8% from three, hitting 2.8 threes a game, which is pretty good. But again, that's a small sample size of five games and the Atlanta Hawks obviously lost. So we're not really working off of a lot of data here (laughs) with the John T. Murray. Um, But to your point, we are working off of some data of having seen D'Angelo Russell through 
two or three playoff stretches where he's kind of fizzled at the end. I will say, though, that the personnel last year and the coaching rotations probably exacerbated the problem for D'Angelo Russell. And if we're looking at previous Lakers point guards who have not played defense like D'Angelo Russell, I will point you to the 2019-20 championship season with Rajon Rondo, who didn't play defense that entire season, but ended up being pretty pivotal to that entire championship run. And the reason why he was able to stay on the floor all the way to the end of the finals was because he was flanked by guys like Alex Caruso, KCP, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma. So I'm of the opinion that D'Angelo Russell, even in a championship Lakers team, on a championship Lakers team run, I still believe D'Angelo Russell can work. It's all about finding the right pieces to flank him with, which I think this year's Lakers team has. Um, It's about finding the right pieces around him, but also it's about utilizing him correctly, which I'm not sure... Darvin Ham has done this season or last season, which is probably why we're at this sort of crossroads here of having to ship D'Angelo Russell out to see if another piece will fit. But I'll, I'll cap things off on the DeJounte Murray talk here and say that while I'm very wary of the fit of DeJounte Murray, I do understand the just practical implications of why this deal has to be done because D'Angelo Russell is on an expiring deal he does have a player option next year, but given the way that Darvin Ham has jostled his minutes back and forth this season, jostled his role back and forth, you do wonder whether D'Angelo Russell would be open to even returning next year. So that's something the Lakers have to keep into account, that he potentially is just an expiring contract and you want to be able to use that salary slot for something and not just have him walk at the end of the day. And so... Because of that, I understand swapping D'Angelo Russell for a guy like DeJounte Murray, who's on a multi-year deal. His extension kicks in next year. Uh, He's only making, I believe, like $25 million the first year, and then it escalates from there. He does have a trade kicker. But all that to say, I do understand the practical implications of trading for another player who's more of a downhill pain attacker, more aggressive, and who's on a longer-term deal. And if this doesn't work out necessarily in the next one or two years, you can still flip down the down the line, right? So that's where I stand on the deal. I, I understand them having to make it. I'm not thrilled with having to attach other assets like the 2029, 2029 first or even adding like a JHS or Max Christie to the deal. But the the Lakers have kind of cornered themselves into this spot because of how lackluster they played this season and how... The chemistry just hasn't been there and all that. So do you have any last thoughts on DeJounte Murray and I guess the inevitable deal that has to be made here? Well, DeJounte Murray is essentially like a supersized Dan Schroeder in kind of filling that hole on the team, which I think is a real hole. Unfortunately, Gabe Vincent who was supposed to be kind of that dude, only with a little bit more emphasis on three-point shooting and a little bit less emphasis on downhill attacking, has been out all year, and I don't think he's coming back this year. But yeah, overall, it just kind of feels like a kind of move that the Lakers shouldn't really have to make, but they have to make because it kind of feels like they need to do something to shake up the team. Right. But I don't feel like there's any good option here in terms of rolling with the current team or trading for DeJounte Murray. Both have pretty profound weaknesses as a course of action, generally. 
Yeah, I think we're on the same page about our excitement being a little lukewarm, but also understanding that we've painted ourselves into this corner, right? I don't know if that's ever a good way to make decisions in life in general, you know, but the but unfortunately, this is where the Lakers are at. And I don't think I've ever seen a scenario, Daniel, where you are trading your third best player, who is your best three-point shooter, again, your best non-LeBron James playmaker, the guy who fits the best skill-wise with your up-and-coming guard in Austin Reeves, who pretty much is an understudy to D'Angelo Russell. I've never seen a scenario where clearly you've seen this guy work with this team. Once you've given him the usage and the ball and the role, he has uplifted your team. And because of, because of the way the season has gone, you unfortunately have to trade him. So it's just a weird circumstance because this is not like the Russell Westbrook situation last year, right? Where it's like, that didn't matter how well Russell Westbrook would have been playing. We knew the end scenario with Russell Westbrook, right? And I mean, just on paper, Russell Westbrook wasn't playing well for the team. The team wasn't doing well. They were upheld by tremendous performances by Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We knew that a deal had to be made. And so to be in this situation where D'Angelo Russell does have an objectively positive impact on this team and you're trading him away, my only my, my thing is I just hope that we've done our due diligence on really vetting DeJounte Murray out and I'll do my own analysis and breakdown of his tape once I dive in deeper into his play but this is a four-year commitment so I hope that we've really thought things through because we are going to be adding extra assets and so yeah we'll see where this goes I I think once he's in a Lakers uniform we will naturally snap into place and be excited about his new play style and what he can bring it just feels like awkward timing right now you know where the Lakers seem to be finding footing again but we're going to curtail that because of these larger issues that have been going on with the team. Um, so to close this segment out, Daniel, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to, yeah, you let me what you want to talk about to close this section out. Well, I think the natural place to go is just a general tenor of the season. Like coming into the season, I was pretty high on the team. I like the additions to the team. I like the fact that we seem to really uh, embrace continuity for once, um, <laughs> while also continuing to add to the team. It's a bit of a rocky start, but, you know, you get over it. And then it felt like it was really gelling. It was really coming together in the in-season tournament. That just kind of felt like a natural place where, where I thought the team would be, you know, highly athletic, just sprinting all around on defense making life really hard on the opponent in terms of getting them out of their play style and also forcing them into this grinded out physical matchup whereby we, we could take control of the game through LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then all of a sudden it started to fall apart. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis seemed to be, you know, less excited about the games when the in-season tournament ended. And then we started to play lazy, and guys started to go through slumps. D'Angelo also went through a major slump. And now, and then we had the portion of the season where Ham was tinkering with really strange and awful lineups uh, that didn't work at all. You know, we, we had, like, no guard lineups. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish here? And, like, I kind of get it. Like, I think that they were trying to accomplish, like, this really 
physical team that was going to like just destroy teams defensively, but that never ended up panning out because the team as a whole doesn't commit to doing the little things on a consistent basis. So it's always like an offensive rebound here, a turnover there, a, a lazy, you know, transition play here. And, and before you know it, you're down, you're down 10 points. You're down 15 points. You need to make a furious run to try to get back in the game. And most teams are good enough that you cannot allow them to get up by these large margins and then expect to win the game. That's just not how this works. And so I'm really frustrated with the fact that it feels like the team on paper has the right tools in the tool belt to find solutions and to find answers. And where, where there's no solution and no answer, um, you know, you can get a small, like, like bring Dennis Schroeder back on the trade for Gabe Vincent in a couple of seconds or something like that if Toronto will be open to doing that. If the team were playing better, you could do smaller moves that make sense for this team, but because the team isn't playing well and because Ham seems to have no idea how to get these guys to really gel into a cohesive hole, um, it just kind of feels like we we're at this spot where no one seems to respect Ham anymore. No mm. one seems to really care all that much anymore. You know, it's just kind of like if you get down a big lead, now the team just packs it in. Like even against the uh, the previous game against the Nets, I had to turn that game off because it was <laughs> just like, well, okay, if the team doesn't care, why do I care? Sure, and. So that's really frustrating. And thanks for letting me vent that, get it off my chest here sure. on the podcast. Uh, wondering your thoughts and if you have any additional elaborations you want to say about that. I honestly, and this is why I think it's great to have, you know, listeners and fans come on like this, because I feel like you really spoke from the heart there and I could really sense your frustration. And I think you said it perfectly. It, the vibes and the chemistry are weird in the locker room, not necessarily from the players, but from how the situation has been handled from up top. I'll give a little bit of grace to Darvin Ham and say that it was always going to be a tough job to juggle how talented and deep this roster was. But when things started falling apart, it just felt like he only made things worse by overthinking and overcomplicating things. And from day one, it's frustrating as a fan to be sold on continuity and cohesion and then see the coach not rely on that. You know, he has given new players like Torian Prince and Cam Reddish the most minutes or the most deference over players who he relied upon last year. And I'm talking about even once everybody got healthy. I know, I understand that he had to rely on these sorts of players when everybody was injured. And I also understand coming out of that when everybody finally got healthy that he had to keep relying on them. But it didn't seem like there was ever an effort on Ham's part to try and toggle things back to the middle where we ever got back to that point of, Hey, Vanderbilt. Hey, D'Angelo Russell. Hey, Austin Reeves. You guys all know how to play well together. Let's do this. You know, to this point, we're still begging for 
you know, ham to start that starting lineup that got us to the Western Conference Finals. And if not that, at least give them some time on the court together. We're starting to see baby steps of like, oh, Rui's there. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, LeBron, AD, there's a unit that actually played well together in the in the playoffs. We saw them play well together against the Memphis Grizzlies. But unfortunately, it just feels like too little, too late. Why are we trying things this late into the season that we should have been trying earlier on? And by this point, as you mentioned, guys seem unhappy with their roles. Guys seem checked out. And unfortunately, at this point, you can't even pinpoint one person to blame. It just feels like something that has seeped through the entire locker room and into the players that I, for myself, I like the players on this team. I like their personalities. I like how they jive off of each other. I even like the play styles, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. And now we're at this, we're out now we're in this place where we're just going to have to press that default red button and say, trade things to see if a shakeup will make things any better. I don't think it'll make things any better, Daniel, but I do think this is more of a trade for the forthcoming years and next year. You know, we start building our continuity now for the tail end of this year. Whatever happens to this year, we'll see. You know, maybe we make a run, maybe we don't, but we need to reshuffle the deck again. It kind of feels like that reshuffling, you know what I mean? Like reshuffle the deck, see if the, the chemistry and vibes can be sort of quelled or at least alleviated a little bit. And then because DeJounte Murray or whoever we bring in is on a multi-year deal, we'll take it from there and reset things. We'll we'll try and reset the continuity, which doesn't make any sense, but you know, it's 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 where we've put ourselves. So any last thoughts? Yeah, I think that the one last thing I'll say is because I didn't mention this initially and I wanted to get to it eventually. The reality is that the way that Ham has treated Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell this season has been unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It's just not an acceptable way to treat players that you've invested a lot in. You've invested $20 million, You've invested $25 million into these guys. And then what? They get benched behind guys like Torian Prince and Cam Reddish. And I'm not even saying that. Like, look... Cam Reddish has had a perfectly fine season for what we expected from him. And, and he's really been an, an energizer bunny at certain points in the season that has really taken steps forward. But he cannot be playing over guys that we have invested a lot in that are just straight up better players. I feel like Ham gave me a lot of goodwill last season. Because you know what? He kept the team together. He kept the team competitive, even when when the roster made zero sense at the beginning of the year. And then we, towards the end of the year, we started to play well after the trade deadline because the players started to make more sense and things started to gel. And then we ended up going to the Western Conference Finals and getting beat by a better, more cohesive Denver team. Like, that makes sense to me. Whatever. Last year was great. But this year, he has completely burned through all of that goodwill. We've had a relatively healthy season from both LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and it just feels like we've wasted it. Mm. And that sucks. So I'm sorry to leave on such a downer <laughs> note, but that's just how I feel. No, I, I think that's perfect. I think... A lot of people probably resonate with your sentiment. I I certainly do. I've said multiple times on this podcast that it just sucks because, 
like you mentioned, we, we've just wasted time. And I feel like we are wasting a good group of guys, like a genuinely good group of guys that people want to follow. Some of the onus is on them for sure for not, you know, playing up to their standards or whatever. But can you really blame them when, like you said, their roles have been jostled about and they were expecting to have solidified roles on this team. And so things have unraveled. The spool has unraveled to the point where, yes, we have to make a trade, I guess, when really the reality should have been, we should have just been making, to your point, marginal upgrades on the side to keep our continuity and cohesion because that was the theme of the season and we're going to end another season unfortunately with a brand new team so we'll see how they do we will still be lakers fans at the end of the day (laughs) um but daniel thank you so much for hopping on we we've really enjoyed our time uh being able to chat with you and we hope to do more of this type of stuff moving forward with our loyal patreon listeners again you can support us at patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast Daniel, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you for listening to us um, like you have been. And I've really enjoyed your insight and just your your authentic and genuine passion. I think that's that was one of my goals in you know opening this up to our listeners. And I think you've done a great job of just, yeah, letting your voice be heard. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this show is great. And I really appreciate everything that you do to uh, add to the Lakers season even during tough times like this. So thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daniel. We will catch you next time. And hopefully when we talk again, it'll be much better vibes. (laughs) See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.